0: Welcome to CIO Leadership Live Canada. I'm Lee Renick, Executive Director of CIO Communities for CIO.com, and I'm very pleased and honoured today to welcome John Penard, Vice President, IT Operations, Infrastructure and Cybersecurity at Duca Financial Services Credit Union. John, welcome to the show today, and please uh, introduce yourself.
1: Hi, Lee, and thanks for having me today. Um, that certainly is a mouthful in in uh, in, in going through the, the title and the, the company, so thank you. You did a great job. Um, as you said, my name is John Pennard. I am the Vice President of IT Operations, Infrastructure, and Cybersecurity at Duca. Um, that means basically that I'm responsible. The easiest way I refer to it is I'm responsible for everything except for the applications and data. I'm responsible for all of the infrastructure, uh, which means servers, uh, network connectivity, Connect their connection out to the branches, all of the servers, our help desk function, as well as cybersecurity, which um, is becoming quite a busy environment these days.
0: Well, I appreciate that introduction. Thanks so much. That's such a big scope of work, and I think you know you're you're speaking to what so many CIOs are speaking to, which is being really just a big driving force of the business. So I, I you know, I really appreciate you joining us here today, John, to talk about that. You know, we have created this series to support the CIO and senior technology leader in their leadership and business journey. So the first question, and I ask everyone this question, could you please tell us a little bit about your own career path and maybe provide some insights or tips on that road path? Are there any lessons that you'd like to share?
1: I was thinking about this the other day, and I thought, "Wow, my my career path has definitely changed from uh, from where I started, and and so has the IT world." Actually, I started out as a programmer. I went to Seneca College, and I took courses like assembler and Fortran and COBOL. Uh, that stuff just doesn't exist anymore the same way that it did. And mm-hmm. um, you know, server technology has completely changed. And so I think, um, you know, I I spent the first. 10 years or so of my career as a programmer. Um, I also worked at a consulting company. It was an IBM business consulting company. Uh, I've worked at companies like Coca Cola and Makita Power Tools as a programmer and sort of a, I guess, what is now considered a business analyst type role. Um, I moved into management uh, at one of Canada's leading pharmaceutical manufacturers that I was there for 17 years and moved on to. one of the largest uh, retirement home companies in Canada as their senior director of information systems. Um, I have worked for nonprofit. Uh, I spent four years actually working for an organization called Resource Productivity and Recovery Authority. I seem to like working for companies with long names. We used to refer to it as RIPRA or RPRA, and it was a government regulator that worked with the Ministry of Environment. Um, and then, you know, gradually I've worked my way to where I am now, which is I've spent the last two years at, at DUCA. Um, I think my, my comment about career is, especially in the IT world, it, for people that are just coming out of, of college or university or that are early on in their, in their stages, I, from, from what I've seen, and I don't see it changing at all, is don't think that what you do today is what you're going to be doing 20 years from now. And don't think that the technology you use today is going to be the same as it is 20 years from today. Um, You know, everything changes. My career has completely changed. The technology that I support has completely changed. And so be prepared for that. Um, You know, be prepared to not only change directions with your career um, but also with the technology that you're going to either use or support. Um, you know, if if you asked somebody five years ago about you know this this artificial intelligence <laughs> thing called ChatGPT, everybody would have gone, "What?" Yeah. So you know, it just that type of thing is to be prepared for these kinds of changes.
0: I find that really interesting, and I love that advice because you probably like. Have seen things being developed in internally, like within a company. So you're working in the tech space, so you're seeing innovation happening probably prior before prior to it hitting customers and you know at the external community, right? But now it's kind of flipped. So like we you know we've had open OpenAI and ChatGPT released to the public as well too, right? So it's all kind of flipping around, and I think that's what makes it a really exciting time to be working in this space, but you know, that grounding you must have had in building those things as an engineer and then and working through those different sectors as well is really, you know, incredible so. um, And it really segues well to our next question, which is about your background, because you've worked in both the public and the private sectors, as you mentioned. And so many tech leaders right now and CIOs are saying that they're leading both business and technology. And I, if you don't mind, this wasn't in the question, but I'm going to reference, we just released the State of the CIO 2024 report. Um, and when they polled CIOs, 79% said they have a closer relationship with the CEO and the board of directors. It's a learning educational kind of partnership. So can you talk a little bit about your learning in both sectors And and, you know, first of all, do you see those skill buildings in in the different sectors transferable? And then it sounds like you've had more alignment with your CEOs and your leaders. You know, maybe you could comment on that too, just the evolving role of the tech leader.
1: Yeah, no problem. I mean, I I can tell you that, um, you know, as I said, that my career path has changed dramatically, but so have the interactions. Back in my early days, you know, IT were those guys that you threw in the basement and and you kind of locked them behind closed doors. Um, I spend probably as much time with our senior leadership team talking about business and, and the development of our business as I do talking with my technical team on what we have to do from a technical side. Mm. So it, it really has changed that, um, you know, it's IT for business sake, not IT for IT sake.
0: Right. That's really interesting. And, and that's what we're hearing as well, too. And I think, you know, it's just going to continue to evolve in that way. And as you said, if you're getting into your career, be prepared to do that leadership aspect as well, too, right? Like, it's not like you said, like the IT crowd in the basement, have you turned it on and off again, it doesn't work that way anymore. It doesn't work that way for a long time, actually, but I love referencing that show and just having fun with that. So can you talk about like, um, Working in both sectors, then your learnings between you know both the corporate, corporate and public sector, you know, and what skills have you brought back and forth? Is there there anything significant there you could talk about?
1: The public sector uh, work that I did was at Rpra. It was a very unique organization. It was actually a non governmental, non profit organization that was created by the Ministry of Environment, Conservation and Parks, and. So we were created by them. We did work for them. Um, we were a regulator of in the environmental space. We developed a registry that's utilized um, by RPRa to regulate, you know, tire manufacturers and and electronics manufacturers and so forth. I guess the similarities to me is you still have technology. You still have a business client. The difference for me was that instead of that business client being the marketing department or finance, our business client was the, the Ministry of Environment. Mm. And so we worked very closely with the, with the Ministry of Environment on developing regulations that were going to be put in place, um, which was, I have to tell you, it was, it was the first involvement that I've had with um, the Ontario government, um, especially from a full-time perspective. But the ability to be in there on the ground floor and working with them on helping to develop government regulations mm. for recycling and so forth was was very rewarding. Um, it but but other than that, like other than the the business owner, my day to day job was really no different because you know it was we were. RPRA was really a technology company, right? We were building a Salesforce system that was being used as the primary driver for regulating these these industries. Right. And so my responsibility was to build that system and to make sure that it adhered to these government regulations. Yeah. That's really not a lot different than the finance department saying we're putting the we need to put this system in place. And we need your help to do it. Um, you know, it's it's still business requirements and then IT ensuring that we're meeting those requirements. I will say that working with uh, government agencies is certainly a little different than working with internal staff. There is a much longer runway. Um, you know, there's more red tape and that type of thing that's required with the government. Um, so that took some getting used to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll, I will also say that that has helped me in my career since then to be a little more uh, tolerant, I guess I'd, I'd call it, with with getting to where we need to be, right. And also in helping to explain why we need to do certain things, right. So yeah. Um, so I think it, I think it's been really beneficial. Mm. I'm not sure that I would want a, a career in the public sector. Um, although I know some people, our CEO at, at RPRA was a lifer. He was a, an assistant de- deputy minister mm. for the government and then retired and then took on the CEO role. Um, and that he loved it. You know, it, It was it was different for me. I prefer the the private sector.
0: It's interesting you mentioned that I hosted a roundtable just a few weeks ago in Ottawa and we had a lot of government sector attendees at that luncheon. And, um, you know, we did talk a lot about what you just mentioned, which was the the levels of process uh, that you had to do to in the tech, even now in the technology space to, you know, move systems forward do what you need to do to execute on and and um you know a lot of there was a lot of frustration around it but there were other people that loved the process that was put in place so i agree with you it's kind of like you learn certain skills and it seems like these people knew how to navigate those skills around getting things done how to put those proposals in to move them forward so um but you've mentioned a lot of really interesting things and kind of moving on to the next question here it's really around team building um, you know, when we last chatted, you mentioned that at the RPRA, you built teams from the ground up. Um, a lot of tech leaders right now are struggling with how to build teams. Should they be elite teams, or do. We, should we do skill building, um, you know, to really ensure that teams are connected and collaborative, excuse me. Just in general, would love for you to touch base on team building, but also you mentioned you're recruiting for certain skill types and, you know, could you talk about any strategies you're using in that area to build talented and skilled teams?
1: Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, at, at our PRA, um, it, we were really building not only IT from the ground up, we were building the organization from the ground up. Um, they were founded by the government November of 2016. And I started there, well, I started discussions with them in March of 2017. Uh, when I started in June, I was employee number six. And so it was not only was was our leadership team Still being built, um, but we as a leadership team were actually building the entire organization. So um, it gave me a great opportunity to not only be uh, building my IT team, but also being involved in you know um, building the the organization as a whole. Um, it's a great, it's a great opportunity for anybody should have the opportunity at least once in their career to help to build an organization from the ground up because it's it's very enlightening. You learn an awful lot really quickly. Um, but one of the things, and especially at RPRA, because we were building the, what what I referred to as the registry, which was a Salesforce system that was custom developed for us, with us. Um, we were building that based on regulations from the Ministry of Environment that in actual fact weren't even completed yet. Right. So, we were we were building it based on what we thought we needed, um, and so we we had a consulting company that we worked very closely with, but I needed to build an IT team internally to hel- help to manage and monitor that as well as to build it and support it on an ongoing basis. Yeah, and I mean I I have worked with other leaders who have said, oh you know we have to build an IT team. I'm going to go out and hire 15 people tomorrow. That's not the way I work. You need to figure out exactly what each of the roles are, what they, what the skill sets need to be for those roles. Hire the right person for the right job. And so I typically tend to, um, even at, at DUCA, that I've been building my team, I'm still building it after two years because we're still figuring out exactly what... Uh, you know, we're doing a major infrastructure project, so we need to figure out exactly what the landscape is going to look like and build for, you know, build staffing for that end result landscape. Yeah. Not just bring 10 people in up front and figure out how to get them to where they need to be. You know, we're, we're a fairly small organization, as was our PRA. And, um, you know, as much as I love the idea of being able to bring junior people in and, and train them up, um, you have to have the expertise in place first. And so, you know, I'm I'm a big proponent of hire people that know what they're supposed to do and let them do their job. Mm. Don't hire them and then have them come in and tell them what to do. They're mm. supposed to tell you what to do. Um, so I, I typically will hire slowly, but hire the right people. Uh, because I also, and, and I've done this at, at DUCA as well, is the the skilled resources that I have hired, I actually pick their brain as well to say, here's what I'm thinking of doing from an organization, like an IT-wide standpoint. What do you think? Right. Does that work? Do you think yeah. we should change it? Because, you know, I've, I've had quite a few years in IT, way more than I'd like to admit, but, but I'll never profess to be an expert. Um, you know, especially the, the younger generation coming in now, probably no more than I've ever learned in Mm -hmm. school or through most of my career. Um, And so I'm looking for them to help me to build what will continue to to go beyond. You know, At some point in time, I wanna retire and I wanna make sure that what I'm building will continue on beyond me being there. You're really building for the
0: future. It sounds like even when you're building these teams, you're like saying, okay, What do we need for our future outcomes, you know, in that tech space? Um, And I just, today we're launching an interview with Parm Sandu, who's at the ISS of BC. He's the CIO. I met him in Vancouver when we were doing a roundtable. And he really talked now about when he built his teams exactly the way you are, gives him time then to look at, you know, the contracts with the vendors, all the other things that you have to do, which we talked about in the beginning now, because you are part of driving the business forward. Completely as a technology leader. So uh, I appreciate that that feedback there. Um, And of course, our last question is around the hottest topic that's been out there for about a year and a bit now, which is generative AI. And and we talked about that a bit earlier. So, you know, we'd just love a quick overview on what you believe the key benefits and challenges are, you know, for technologies to advance positive business outcomes, Gen AI specifically. And any tips on how organizations might want to look at adoption of Gen AI or just, you know, in general, what you're seeing from a planning perspective?
1: Yeah. No, for sure. And look, I've um, I have taken a real liking to Gen AI over the last six months, probably. And and I'm doing whatever I can to learn as much as I can about it, um, you know, partly because I need to for from my my job, but also just because it's I find it very interesting. You know, it is the next um, um, pet rock, if you will, um, that everybody's going to want. So from a business perspective, the potential uses of it are, are incredible. I mean, the, the things that you can potentially, the people and businesses will be able to do with it are phenomenal. Um, but the impact it can have on an organization, if not used properly, it can close, it can close doors. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was an article about, um, uh, samsung that somebody had shared company confidential information yeah. in chat gpt which showed up in somebody else's search yeah um, i was at a cybersecurity conference last week and one of the things that came up there was that somebody had done a search and it came back with uh recommendations on merchandise to purchase on amazon because somebody from Amazon had published information from there. So there's just, there's so many things like that, that you don't give somebody the keys to a car without teaching them how to drive first. And I think that this is exactly the same way, that there are so many privacy and security risks in the use of things like Gen AI, that businesses need to develop and implement and train policies and procedures on proper use of these tools. Yeah. Um, you know, the, we've, we've talked about, uh, the use of it at Duca. And one of the things that we're looking at is, um, the private tenant version of, um, Copilot. Right. Because then it keeps all of that information, whatever you push out there, it keeps it all within your own private tenant. Yeah. So it's not available publicly. Yeah. And so I think, I think that's something that we're probably going to see more and more of uh, is the ability to, like, I we need to be able to do, um, you know, these, you know, all of this, the great things that you can do with ChatGPT and the other tools without the risk of somebody else finding you're getting your data. The one thing that I will say as well that is that is frightening is I've heard stories about um, companies that are using AI generated um code applications and that there have been bugs or or um you know holes in the code and so that that to me is another piece that is i think is still early early days um and is going to require a fair bit of uh legwork to make sure that it's it's safe and and secure
0: I really appreciate that um, oversight and just your your thoughts around it. And I really appreciate you joining me here today, John, on CIO Leadership Live Canada. Thank you so much.
1: No problem. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks. And if you're interested in watching this uh, session or others, please don't hesitate to jump on over to CIO.com front slash CA. You can find more episodes there. Thanks again.